once we see it, hear it, receive and maintain it, may we completely realize the Tathagata's true meaning. This is from uh, the Tao Te Ching, chapter 15. Uh, Stephen Mitchell's translation. The ancient masters were profound and subtle. Their wisdom was, was unfathomable. There's no way to describe it. All we can describe is their appearance. They were careful as someone crossing an iced over stream, alert as a warrior in enemy territory, courteous as a guest, fluid as melting ice, shapeable as a block of wood, receptive as a valley, clear as a glass of water. And that's the first half of verse 15. Um, so are the, there are the um, I chose this verse to start with or the first half of this verse uh, to illustrate the point that the heart's aspirations, the heart's yearnings um, are hard to describe. The heart's vow we have um, aspiration and attraction to um, certain qualities. Um, hopefully there's people in our lives who um, of whom we can say to, to, to one extent or another, I, I would like that quality. I would like to be more like what I see here. I have some people at work that I feel that way about. Oh, I can, I can embody what I'm seeing in this person, or at least this aspect of this person and this aspect of this other person. You know, in, in January, um, I try to talk at least some about aspiration or vow. And clarifying um, or at least reminding us again of the importance of excuse me paying attention to the question of uh, is our 
life energy going where we want it to be going? Are we making decisions uh, that reflect what's important to us? And of course, this isn't um, for anybody uh, a question we would answer, like just a binary yes or no to. Um, Rather, there's, uh, I find, always some refinement that could happen there, some kind of awakening to like, oh, (laughs) right, like it's good to remind it's good to remind. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good to remind myself of what's important. So I, I, um, I wrote down a little, um, I thought about just talking some about um, intentions in the Zen ethic. So some things that I think uh, seem to be important to Zen folks in general. Um, So we tend to care about character. We tend to care about maturity and mastery. So by mastery, I mean a kind of self-mastery. Um, a certain strength and ability to face situations with presence, with equanimity, with grace, um, to uh, stay with um, even difficult situations or circumstances. And even to have strength beyond that, to give. So we uh, work on that maturity because we think it's important. Uh, And it's part of what we talk about and ethics is certainly in here you know, making what we know to be the right choice, uh, even when we might be tempted to make the wrong one. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about a, an obsessing about uh, right and wrong, but just those simple things that we know. So there's a situation where one might be tempted to steal and we don't. For instance, I also see in the Zen uh, ethic a a value on will. So, um, so in our retreat forms, for instance, you know, we sit long hours 
um, or even in a single meditation period, the ethic is to sit and be still <laughs> um, and not move and not go do something else and keep that discipline both in the body and in the mind. And so we cultivate that as well. Um, the next thing I wrote down was uh, a uh, value uh, on being being real. And what I mean by this is um, oh boy. Well, we strive to be ourselves and be genuine and not uh, put on airs or say or do things uh, out of some idea about others' expectations. You know, we support each other and there's a kind of uh, peer pressure that can go into uh, upholding upholding uh, some of the other values I mentioned. But we also, uh, I, at least personally, well, no, we talk about it more genuinely, generally in practice too. Well, we, we talk about how through practice we become more and more ourselves. So the objective is not to uh, become who we think somebody else thinks we should be, <laughs> but to keep following those um, stirrings in the heart and yeah, becoming more and more genuine. Uh, we value community, connection, and other people in, in general. I think it's really important to state out loud that I care about other people. And I know I've mentioned this in, in other talks. I think um, there's something profound about having to say this. I really, I, I feel that um, cultural messaging um, the soup we're swimming in, um, profoundly to me, profoundly to me, does not seem to always encourage concern for others. Um, and I am concerned about others. Like, I, I care about the well-being of my neighbors. Um, I, I can't fix everything, but I care. Um, and I can uh, serve, I can help in some ways. And so... I'll just switch to I language here. I value that. I value looking outward and seeing how I can be of use, how I can be 
of service, um, how I can relieve suffering. And then, of course, um, there's a vow in me for clarity and for uh, awakening. So clarity is a simple way of stating it. Awakening fully to things as they are. Feeling kind of rambly tonight. I kind of knew that going in. Um, You know, um, so at the monastery, we would do in January, generally, um, I also feel like I've given this talk before, but I'm going to set some of those thoughts aside too. Um, (laughs) We would do uh, like a whole class series on vow, on intentions. And some of the tools we would use in that class included um, really taking some time and looking at where, um, I'll just say I again, so where I'm putting my life energy. So what I find myself thinking about putting thought attention to, um, how I'm budgeting my time. So just as a way of noticing um, what I'm attracted to giving uh, money to or where I spend money. And some of this is just to to notice um, what's already manifest. And I think I fumble a little here because there's so many um, different tools to use to clarify intention. And the tools, um, like just like the appropriate use of any tool, like really depend on where someone's at with the clarification of intentions. Um, So some people can feel really lost here um, and like they don't know what their life's about or kind of what direction they want to go. And some people less so and it's more of a, a refinement or a annual or ever so often turning of the lens, you know, turning of the flashlight one direction, just to kind of check. Um, Anyway, uh, I guess I'll just mention here, um, you 
like I I haven't talked to a lot of you in a long time like one-on-one -on -one. Um, or more than like couple sentences of sharing during Sunday program and there's not there's not a problem there per se um, but I think I just I want to say out loud that like most people here and I want to say this because um, I don't want anybody think I'm to think I'm talking just to them because I'm not <laughs> um, but actually most people here uh, aren't meeting with me regularly aren't asking for sansen, um, either a formal or an informal kind of conversation. Uh, and again, that's fine. Um, but when I hear a little more about where you're at, then, um, well, for one, I fumble less about kind of what direction to um, go with my talking because um, I can weave threads of what different people are working on into talks like insofar as I know that um, I, I uh, I'll also say that I miss Jack <laughs> um, because Jack would ask questions <laughs> and that gave me instant material too um, so what do I want to do here just invite um, that kind of sharing so whether you reach out and want to do like a informal sansen where we have tea over Zoom, or if you're in town, uh, maybe we can meet if you'd like. Um, so it's nice to do that, I think at least, you know, I said once a month last time I mentioned this, but once a year, twice a year, once a quarter. Um, and um, if you don't want to do that, like, I think it's also okay. I think there's a reason people aren't doing that. Um, and I imagine it's, it's not just because I haven't mentioned it in a while. So I also want to make clear that it's not, like, it's not a problem. And if there's ever a problem and I want to talk more to, like, you specifically, like, I'll let you know. Personally. So again, this isn't directed at any one person or even any two. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to read the rest of this verse that I started here and see what it prompts. So the first half of it talked about the appearance of the masters. So a certain care, a certain flexibility, 
certain clarity. And then it says, do you have the patience to wait till your mud settles and the water is clear? Can you remain unmoving till the right action arises by itself? The master doesn't seek fulfillment, not seeking, not expecting. She is present and can welcome all things. Interesting counterpart, interesting counterpart. So we've been talking about vow and clarity of intention, and then we talk about seeking for nothing. Zazen's our anchor. It's our it's our center point. And it's the clarity that comes from that practice, the practice of just being present, just being present. So whether that's on the cushion or off the cushion, um, the, it's the clarity that comes from that practice that informs everything else, that informs everything else including like the simple noticing, oh, I'm attracted this direction. Namely, like to doing a little more of this, fill in the blank with my life energy. You know, including the clarity that is noticing, oh, I'm letting myself be influenced a little too much by fill in the blank, fill in the blank. I'm reminded of uh, uh, an analogy that I saw my teacher Hogan do. I think I only saw him do it once, but it stuck with me. And I'm not really going to try to do it. I'm just going to describe it. Um, actually, he did it admirably well. I just don't think I could do it even anyway. So he said, so holding this bell striker is like the mind holding on to whatever it holds on to. And in the process of letting go, we need only just keep focusing on the present. So um, in meditation, I often recommend choosing either the breath to focus on or sensations in the body or sound, you know, opening to the field of sound or in daily life, just whatever's happening in the present, you know, choosing one of the sense gates you know, if I'm listening to somebody, just paying attention to them, right? Or whatever. There's a breeze in the room, noticing that, just paying attention, attention, and sinking into attention. So doing that, paying attention process, 
and focusing, all the attention's going into that present moment. And then gradually, you know, this hand releases, right? <laughs> this hand releases because I literally like forget about it. So Hogan would do this demonstration where like he'd actually demonstrate this and this thing would drop on the floor, right? <laughs> He's like really carefully paying attention over there. So like the focus isn't on like what the what the extra is. We simply be come or embody um, a devotion to the present moment. And that's it. You know, it's like that, like that Zen story everybody likes to tell. You know, somebody asks the master, what's the essence of Zen? And, and the master says, attention, 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 and just kept keep saying attention. Like it really is just that. Just that. Um, thanks for putting up with another fumbly cogent talk. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, what the hell else was I going to say there? Oh. Oh, anyway. No, I already said it. Okay, so that's that. Uh, let's do, so we'll do Joko's four principles of practice, and then we'll see what kind of discussion we want to have.